Hello, everybody, and welcome to Parks Pod. My name is Austin Parkinson, and the podcast is back. A couple of years ago, I started a podcast with the idea of interviewing coaches, people in leadership positions, and finding out more about their stories, background, and the things that help make them successful. I interviewed you know, a lot of different people. Conzo Martin, the head coach of Missouri. Amy Williams, the head coach in Nebraska. J.D. Gravina from Western Illinois, among others. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was great for me to be able to learn. Great for me to be able to bring it to you as an audience. And now that I have a little downtime on my hands, I thought, let's bring the podcast back. Looking forward to continuing to interview coaches, but also planning to bring in some people from outside of basketball and hear from their experiences as well. Before I get to our first guest, I want to share with you what I've been up to the last three weeks. A roller coaster of emotions would be putting it mildly. Our Lady Jags won the regular season Horizon League title this year for the first time in school history, positioning us to be the number one seed in the conference tournament. The conference tournament was in Indianapolis this year, and we had 11 days off with the bye from our last regular season game to the semifinal game. So a lot of uncertainty on kind of what to expect and how to navigate that, but our young ladies did a great job. That Monday, we knocked off Cleveland State in the semis, advancing to the championship game against Green Bay, who's been to the NCAA tournament countless times. For our young ladies, this was a big-time experience, being able to play in their hometown in front of their fans for a chance to go to the NCAA tournament. Our kids roasted the occasion, played really, really well. In fact, played the best defensive game of the entire season. In the fourth quarter, we had a lead going into the fourth, but we did not let them score. I'm going to repeat that. We did not let them score in the fourth quarter and ultimately won the game. I'll never forget being on the sidelines and looking out and seeing our kids rush the floor and the emotion uh, that I had. In fact, I turned and looked at my wife, um, started to get emotional as I walked down the sidelines. Uh, just thinking back of, of all the years and the journey uh, it taken to get to this place. And uh, so happy for our players. I get whisked off to do a TV interview. I'm watching as I'm doing the interview, the kids uh, on the stage as things are getting set up. Uh, they present the trophy as I get up there and they give it to our senior leader, Holly Hoopengarner, and the confetti flies. And from there, we cut down the nets and uh, celebrate with family and friends. And my last memory is uh, walking back into the locker room to kind of give them instructions on what's next. And as I walk in, uh, they ambushed me with water. I got uh, doused from head to toe and, and soaking wet water, uh, which ended up being pretty funny. I had to walk out to my car because I didn't ride the bus and it was really, really cold. I told them later it was like one of the coldest walks of my life, but uh, one of the best walks of my life as well, knowing that we'd won the championship uh, and the first ever uh, in IUPUI's history. And so that moment was really special and we're excited. Our kids know we're going to the NCAA tournament. We gave them two days off. We said we'd re, you know, meet on Friday and start practicing for whoever our opponent was going to be. Well, you guys know the rest of the story. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, they cancel uh, the NBA season. And Thursday, it's announced in the afternoon that there would be no NCAA tournament. And the interesting part about that is most of the time in a situation like that, I'd get that information. I'd be able to deliver to our kids. In fact, with the way it is in 2020 and information travels so quickly, they were the ones that let me know. I was in, on an interview, a uh, live interview with a radio station. I got off the phone. I looked down and I have a bunch of text messages from our players. Obviously, heartbroken, really, really tough to you know not be able to play. But we set up a time the next day. And uh, probably one of the hardest conversations I've had, I know I got emotional uh, talking about, you know, the, the you know, 
frustrations we had of not being able to play in the tournament after working so hard to get there. But I think I heard it best on, on Scott Van Pelt one night, you know, at the end of the day, it's basketball, it's a sport. Uh, it matters, matters little in comparison to what else, you know, else is going on in our world right now. But I heard one athlete say it best that, you know, usually when you take the floor, you know, whether you win or lose, you control or have some control of the finality uh, of a game or your career. And as a coach, most of the time, you know, hey, we play this team. You know, if we don't win tonight, our season's over instead of uh, not getting that opportunity where you're sitting on your couch and you find out that's it and the abruptness of that. And so uh, really felt for our kids and for the you know, players across the country. Uh, I told everybody I was so grateful that we got a chance to at least complete our tournament, uh, knowing that we'd won the regular season. We ended up winning our tournament and that we had qualified for the NCAA tournament, I think gave our kids peace of mind. I felt really bad for those kids that didn't get those opportunities. On the flip side, what we did was uh, we went around the room and, and instead of leaving the kids, uh, you know, with a sour taste in their mouth, we talked about um, everybody's experiences. The the buzzer went off. What was going through your head? Uh, when did you think that we, we you know, had it won? Um, you know, really funny stories uh, that maybe we hadn't, you know, shared with one another and uh, what it was like that night, who we celebrated with, who we heard from. And so that's kind of how we left it with our kids. And um, although it was an abrupt end and it was a very surprising end, um, we were able to, to connect and, and, and share and, and, and still relive uh, what was something I know, you know, our young ladies, you know, will never forget. I've been asked quite a bit from reporters and TV people, you know, what'd you think of the tournament being canceled? Obviously the right thing to do. And, you know, I think we're in a situation in America that's uh, unlike anything that I've ever experienced in my time, uh, you know, nine uh, 11, I remember um, the reaction to the country of our country at that point. Uh, but nothing uh, where it's impacted globally the way it has um, with the coronavirus. And the one thing that I just think about is, um, you know, obviously there's been drastic measures. I feel awful for a lot of the people that have lost their jobs and, um, you know, aren't able to go to work because of the need to isolate, the need to self-quarantine. At the same time, I think it's a great opportunity for us to connect with our families, to slow down, take a step back. And the one thing I would say is, uh, you know, whatever your political affiliation is, I think this is a time in the nation that, that we've got to come together and support one another. Uh, we are all in this together and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we can continue to be positive. And, you know, I think in these instances, as dire as they are and as tough as they are, you see the resolve of America. And uh, obviously it's not just America in this case, it's the world. And, uh, you know, uh, my thoughts are with all the medical personnel that are that are showing up every single day uh, to treat, you know, the patients that are coming through the hospitals uh, and, and, you know, the difficulty they must have as they go home and they have to disinfect and those things. So it's a very unique time. Uh, but I, I, you know, it's one of those things where I thought that, you know, as, as I'm home and I'm, I'm you know, hanging out, uh, why not get the podcast? And, and hopefully, you know, if you're sitting around and you don't have anything to do, uh, you can you can listen to this and, and bring some joy to your day. So without further ado, I'd like to bring my first guest, uh, one of the best personalities in all of college basketball, Tony Bazella from Seton Hall. Next. My guest on the pod this week is one of the best coaches in all of college basketball with 400 plus wins to his name, won the first Big East 
regular season title in school history and has been to the postseason play six out of the last seven years. And yes, I'm counting this year because they would have gone with two NCAA tournaments to his name at Seton Hall. The head coach, Tony Bazella. Tony, thank you so much for joining us. Austin, thank you very much. I'm really excited to be here, and uh, I'm thrilled that you asked me to do this. Um, one, because obviously I have so much respect for you, but two, I'm just in my house not doing much, so it would be perfect. Well, that's exactly where I wanted to start. You know, this has been a strange time for obviously everyone in America, but for coaching the profession with such an abrupt ending to the season. Number one, first and foremost, what have you been up to in the time that you released your kids to now, and and how did you handle that into the season? season, uh, kind of abruptness. I know you guys were waiting for a potential birth to the NCAA tournament uh, or the NIT. You would have been playing one way or another. How did you handle the news at the end of the year and what have you been up to? You know, it was really, it, it was really hard for us. We practiced on a Thursday. Um, we lost to um, DePaul on that Sunday in a, in a really good game. Um, and so we gave them, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off. And we said, all right, we're going to just practice um, Thursday and Friday. You know, nothing major. Just go through some, you know, just, you know, simple stuff. And then, you know, you know, Saturday, Sunday, give them off. And then Monday, we'll, you know, figure out, you know, we'll have a good idea what tournament we're in and where we're, you know, and who, who we're playing. And, you know, and at least Monday night we would. Um, and then also on Thursday, I said, you know, you have to watch us practice. And we practiced good. We actually had a spirited practice. We, you know, did a lot of drills. Girls had some fun. They, they were wonderful. And I said, you know, I'm just going to give them off because all, all, the, all the Big East tournaments started to get canceled. And I'm like, I don't know if we're going to end up playing this this NIT at the worst or NCAA. So I just said, you know, off and we'll have a team meeting Monday. Well, by the time Friday hit, there was going to be no team meeting on Monday because everyone was like, you know, go home, get out. And a lot of our girls had actually gone home Thursday because they had Thursday, half a Thursday off all Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we never even had a team meeting. It was really sad, um, to be honest with you. You know, I contacted a bunch of them through through phone calls, but we just wanted to make sure they got home. Um, this past week, that was our big thing, get them home, get them safe, um, you know, then set up all the, all the stuff for academics, you know, our academic advisor, Mac Geibel's been fantastic. It's it's hard, Austin. Like, you know, do they all have laptops? Do they all have the ability to be online? Do they all have, you know, understand their work? You know, how are we going to handle tutoring? It's been a really big challenge. So we've been working with them this week on that, making sure they got home. And then obviously just reaching out to your, your incoming freshmen, making sure they're okay and letting them know, you know, things will be okay. And we were going to actually do summer session in June and we've moved it back to July um, just because we don't even know if we'll end up doing one, but the more time, the better. Well, I also think too, the way uh, media uh, covers things now, the information, I don't know how it was for you, but with my particular team, uh, they actually informed me. I, I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't on social media at that moment. And so, you know, in the past of something like this would have happened, we've been able to call everybody together, you know, yeah. get it organized and have kind of a, a common message instead, you know, they found out just the same way that, that we did. And, um, you know, that I thought that part of it, the, the abruptness to the ending, especially for the seniors was, uh, you know, pretty difficult. It was awful. I mean, we have three tremendous young ladies that are seniors that gave us everything and uh, to tell them. But even like, you know, just you just wish you had some sort of closure. I wish I had a team meeting. I couldn't even have that. So, you know, I, I you know, I'll certainly make sure 
you know, obviously I'd meet with the seniors individually at some point, but it just stinks. And, you know, that was the real hard part. Like, you know, for us, it was just, you know, I just told him to go home on Thursday. All of a sudden, you know, by Thursday, by Friday, we were like, there's going to be no team meeting. So, um, you know, I came in Monday, um, we had a staff meeting and then the school was basically closing down at four o'clock. And, um, you know, they told us to take everything you need, but we don't want anyone back here. And, uh, so we took what we needed. Um, we're actually going to do a, a staff conference call. And I've talked to my staff individually, but we're going to do a staff conference call on Monday just to go over everything from academics to, um, you know, making sure our freshmen are still doing, freshmen are still doing what they want. Recruiting. Um, and we have a scholarship available and, you know, looking for a transfer. And, you know, how do you do that? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. they're not going to, you know, anyone who thinks April 15th, people are going to visit this in fantasy land. Um, that's not happening. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely agree there. I mean, that's the, everything's been so fluid and, and trying to figure out even point to dates is, is almost in, impossible. What, what I want to do, I want to go back over, over your career. And, and I went back and looked and studied a little bit, you know, you started out, I think it was at Southampton high school and, uh, and you were there for several years. College. I'll say, I'm sorry, Southampton. College. Okay. Southampton college. Right. Yeah. Went to LIU Brooklyn. But what I really want to cover is your time at Iona. Um, I, I looked at that and, and, uh, to me, that looked like a really big challenge. And it looked to me like you knew coming into this, it was going to be quite an uphill challenge. And when you see something like that, A, what were the the, the main things that you saw that you had to try to, to overcome in those first few years? And B, how do you prioritize something like that when you want to win now, but you also know this may take a little bit of time? You know, it's funny. Um, my other two jobs at Southampton, they had had a winning season. And I don't. I think the history of the Division Two program. And then LIU, they had really fallen on some hard times, and we were very successful right away at LIU. And so it was funny at Southampton. It took me three years. We won one game my first year. At three games my first year at Southampton. Our second year, my second job at LIU, we won a championship our first year. Um, we had great players: Tamika Dudley, Kim McMillan, um, you know, Nikki Winston, Jessica Brooks, Angelica um, uh, Sumaglia, who was Steck back then, who's now the head coach at FDU. Um, those are my uh, starting five, and they were just they, they were good. Um, you know, um, I took over for uh, uh, Patty Delhanty, and she left me some good players. Um, you know, so like that rebuild was different. And then you know, I get to Iona, and uh, you know, I, my, I, I went because one, it was a mixture of you know, uh, it was a Catholic school which I felt comfortable with. It was a suburban area, and I knew the AD, and the AD was Sean Brennan, and um, I had known him when he was an SID, and he was just a good man, and uh, he gave me a chance, and you know, he said, "Listen, this is going to take a long time," and I was like, "Nah, you know, it really shouldn't because LIU," and when I got there, it, it, it was it was tough, and it wasn't because so much of the talent, just because of just the way the program was set up and the way the discipline and just a bunch of things. So, you know, it was a different approach in LIU. And to go to LIU, we had a lot of talent. Patty had them very disciplined. And um, I just, you know, it made some changes in terms of the system. But here at Iona, I had to do everything. So it was just a different rebuild. Um, and we won one game our first year. And I'll never forget. Um, I never thought we'd win one game. I thought we'd win a lot more. But, you know, just like our team captain came in one day and I was just like, you know, she's like, you know, I, I know we're going to do individuals, but, you know, I, f um, I forgot my glasses. I'm like, well, just go get them. She's like, well, I live 25 minutes away. I'm like, you live 25 minutes away from the school? She's like, well, we're allowed to live off campus and that's the cheapest place. I'm like, what? <laughs> you can't do that. And she's just like, well, I'll just do the individual without my glasses. I'm like, well, how bad is it? She's like, well, I really can't shoot. 
I'm like, and that was just a whole, like, that was it. That was, you know, we had another girl who was playing volleyball. We had another, you know, and they, they were nice kids, but there was just no like commitment. So basically what I did that year was just like, you know what? We're going to lose. I don't care. We probably could have won seven or eight games, but you know, we were going to try and be as committed as we could. And then we just recruited and we won seven games our second year and we were a lot better. And then we actually took a bad step back our third year. We had some injuries and a lot of, you know, just, just tough losses and went back to six wins. And I'll never forget. I walked in to my new AD's office because Sean had left to move on. And, um, Pat Lyons was the AD and I'm like, Pat, he had called me and I'm like, I'm going to get fired. I'm like, we're 14 and 70. I just was just like, this is just, you know, he's like, Tony, you're doing a great job. I'm like, I turned around. I thought I was talking to somebody else. And he's like, no, he's like, I understand what you're trying to do here. We're trying to make it this a basketball program, not just a team and win some games. He's like, just keep doing what you're doing. I have your back. And you know, he was great. We, I never would have had the success I did. And then we got lucky. We got a great player who had committed to Duke, um, decommitted because she had some family issues. Um, back then, there wasn't a lot of social media. She sent an email to a bunch of schools. I'll never forget, my assistant called me in, he, and he, he he looked at it for like 30 seconds. And I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, you looked at the tape for 30 seconds. You can't be, you got to watch her. He's like, no, 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 you only need 30 seconds. And he was right. Um, it was Martina Weber, 6'5 kid. Um, he came down to us in LIU, my old school. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. And I'll never forget Mandy Myers was our recruiting coordinator. And uh, we were, I was at a Met game and um, she called me. She goes, we got her. I'm like, we got who? She's like, she's committing to us. I'm like, it, and it changed our whole program because while she was injured a lot and only played like two thirds of the games, she was just a great player. She walked on the floor and, you know, just, it just changed everything. I um, ended up getting drafted by the Liberty and to be drafted out of the Mac is like a lot, you know, and then, you know, we had great players, you know, I got, uh, you know, my staff, Lauren DeFalco's on my staff. She, she became one of those really good players, you know, um, Tierra Hedden, um, you know, I, I had, um, Marissa Flagg was on my staff, you know, we had some really good players and then, you know, it just, it just blossomed from there. We had a, you know, of our last eight years, we had six really good years. Um, and, but just couldn't beat Marist. We lost to them five times in the playoffs. Um, and, and, uh, and, you know, we made a bunch of NITs just couldn't get over the hump. We lost to Marist and the year Marist went to the sweet 16, we lost in overtime, um, in, in, in the championship game. And, uh, it was just, it was just great, but it was, I really loved Iona, you know, a lot of me wishes I was still there and in, in just different ways. Um, the people were great. Um, and, you know, and then Pat left, became the AD at Seton Hall. And, and, uh, I was fortunate enough that he, you know, liked what I did at Iona to bring me back to my alma mater. We'll talk about that. You know, you, you get a chance after being there at 11 years, I think it was at Iona, you got, you guys were very, very consistent after you mentioned, it sounds like after, uh, you know, that, that year of, of, I think you said six wins, taking that step back yeah. from there on, you guys were really, really consistent. And now you go to Seton Hall, your alma mater. Um, and so I want you to talk about this. What was it like, you know, to be able to go back and coach at your alma mater, which ha obviously had to be huge. And then the second part is, you know, you were following um, a basketball legend, if I'm correct, and Ann Donovan yeah. uh, and taking over that program. And so, you know, you've got these emotions. How did you, you know, what was it like to go back and coach at your alma mater? And then what was it like to follow, uh, you know, someone like Ann Donovan? 
Well, you know, everyone's like, oh, it was a no-brainer. It was hard. It was a hard decision. And I had some great players in Iona, and I left the two of the greatest ones ever in Mac history, and D'Amico Martinez and Joy Adams. Um, I had a tremendous point guard, Haley D'Angelo. I mean, they had really, really good players. And, um, you know, and it was hard. Like, But you know, the opportunity to, one, work with Pat. I mean, Pat Lyons is just an amazing guy. He's now the vice president of Seton Hall. He's just, you know, he had a great vision. He, he coached. He played like he got it. Like, you know, so I knew, you know, he'd have my back and he always has. Um, and then just just to go back to the alma mater, it's where I met my wife. Um, my daughter ended up going there as well um, now. Um, but, you know, I love the family atmosphere at Seton Hall. And I'm going to forget walking on the campus. Just felt like I was going back to home. And it was hard. Like, Ann did a great job. She recruited some really good players, but she was still in the middle of changing the culture. Like, she hadn't gotten there yet. She was working on it, and she was going to do it. But, you know, I kind of had to finish it, and it was hard. Like, Ann went to the pros, and a lot of our kids were upset that Ann left, but I understood why Ann left. I mean, she was a, obviously a great coach, and, you know, but the pros are where she won a championship, and, and it was a well, obviously an offer she couldn't refuse going to the Sun. Um, but she hadn't finished what she started, and I was now I was like, oh, geez. And it was hard. The kids really didn't accept me right away. Um, you know, they, a lot of people felt the only reason I got the job was because they knew Pat. Um, and that wasn't the case. I mean, I went on four different interviews for that job and, and I earned it because of my great players and, 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 and because of the success they had. Um, it was hard. I'll never forget our first meeting. Half the kids wouldn't look at me. Um, but a kid like Dee Dee Simmons, who, who was arguably the greatest player to ever play in Seattle history, was there. And she, she told everyone to shut up listen to me and let's go. And we never would have been successful without Didi. Like Didi, forget how great a player she was. She told everyone to shut up and listen. You know, in that first year, we, you know, we, we really struggled early on and um, they didn't like our system. They didn't like a lot of things, but you know, Didi got them on board. We won 20 games. We went to the sweet 16 at NIT and then, you know, it took off from there. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, it was hard, you know, well, I, it was, a God for, I, want, I wanted to ask for, you, it's a different starting point for you. Right. Yeah, so like you yes. go to Iona, like obviously you knew going to Iona, like, hey, this is going to be a major uphill battle, but you go to yeah. Seton Hall and you can see that there are some pieces, uh, yes. you know, that, that were there in place. And you mentioned that, that obviously there was uh, the, you know, a, a transition from, you know, the previous coach to yourself. Was it more a, did they have a tougher time with the philosophy, you know, philosophy, the change in things? I read an article um, about where you wanted your you know players to run to the wings uh, or to the corners versus, you know, running to the rim. And, and was it a ph philosophical change for them that was hard or was it just personality, you know, uh, adapting to, you know, your coaching style? What was the biggest difference? That's a great question. Obviously, you've done your homework. It's amazing. You've been great. But no, it was, it was, it was, I just think, you know what? She was a WNBA coach. Um, she, she had a great presence. She had tremendous, you know, resume. I think they, you know, even though they hadn't been successful yet, I think they saw that they could be successful. Um, and I think they saw, you know, just a guy who was a mid-major coach who, you know, let's be honest, hadn't been in the NCAA tournament, you know, been to four NITs. But, um, uh, you know, what's he know? And, um, you know, we, but what I was trying to ex ex explain to them was we're putting a pro offense in. I said, you know, I would show them NBA tapes and be like, this is what they're doing. And it just was a fight and a fight and a fight for probably most of the year until we won some games at the end and, 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 and had some success. And so I guess it was philosophical. I guess it was confidence in me um, and because most of them didn't. And it was different. When I took over at Iona, even though, you know, we were bad, they, they knew I knew what I was doing. They just 
just either didn't want to do it because they just didn't really want to play or whatever. And LIU, they accepted it. They were great. And that's why we were able to be successful. But this was a challenge. It was hard. And, um, you know, I thank God for Lauren and, and Marissa, who've been with me the whole time. And obviously, Dee Dee's on my staff now. You know, it, it was hard. We went home a lot of nights. And I'm not going to lie, I had to commute that year from um, Long Island in New Jersey because my daughter was finishing high school and my son was finishing middle school. And I had tears in my eyes a lot, tears of frustration, mm-hmm. tears of like, did I do the right thing? I'll, I'll, I'll never forget. And, you know, I owned that year is going 26 and four and i'm like am i an idiot like it was really hard like i questioned it but i i didn't question the way we wanted to play like i had an assistant nick DePillo who coached in the wnba and um and and just like you know he he would advise me he wasn't my assistant yet he became my assistant my second year. he'd be like listen you're doing it the right way and he was great but but lauren and marissa they they're they're unwavering support you know they, they played for me and they were just tough Tough, and they still are tough girls, and uh, they um, they 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 were like, nope, this is what we're gonna do. And there were many many a f- argument and a fight. It was hard, but you know, to the to the credit, you know, we figured it out. Dee Dee was amazing, and um, it just got a lot better. And it was hard though. It was the hardest thing of my life. It was like, oh, it was the hardest thing was winning one game or winning this. No, what was hard was was what you're calling was um. You know, you know, getting them to buy in. That was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Well, you know, one thing you mentioned, and I think people in the public doesn't always think about this, but you mentioned those long drives back and forth, um, you know, having tears in your eyes, not, not doubting, you know, what you were doing in your style, but like, you know, again, as coaches, like there's a lot more than goes into it, you know, besides this, you know, besides just the, the, the practices and the preparation, like, okay, you know, you'd built that entire thing at Iona and now you're going to another university and, and, and here they are, you know, the same players, you know, being successful, like you've, you've built relationships, you've got ties there. Yeah. So, you know, people, I think sometimes don't see that aspect of, uh, you know, the coaching world that, that, you know, takes place. Yeah. And the pressures of moving your family and did you make the right decision? And, you know, you're just like, you know, if I said I own it, we'd be like 26 and four, you know, and, 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 you know, and, you know, you know, it just, it was hard. It was hard personally on my life. You know, I, I think it, wore a lot on me. Um, you know, I, I thank um, my staff because they talked to me on the ride home, but Brian Georges, who's a great coach at Marist, mm-hmm. like, I can never thank him because I, I would leave at like six in the morning and I'd be like, this is going to be a long ride. And he'd be up mm-hmm. and he talked to me many a times. And, uh, you know, and, and Phil Stern, who's, who's, who's a good great friend of mine who was that coach at UMBC for many years. And, you know, if it wasn't for those two guys, I talked to them all the time, like going in, going out, but anything and everything. And, you know, it was, it was hard and, uh, you know, it was, it was a lot. So, but, you know, we figured it out and I never thank those two girls specifically. And then obviously Dee Dee, um, we would never be where we were without Dee Dee. Well, you definitely figured it out because in the second year, you guys win the regular season, uh, you know, Big East title, uh, first time in school history, that correct? Yes. Okay. So let me ask you this Uh, to me, in my opinion, I think it's much harder to win a regular season title than it is a tournament, you know, tournament situations, you know, you can have some bad luck, crazy shots, officiating, whatever, but regular season, you got to show that consistency. You know, what was the satisfaction like for you guys to be able to accomplish that at your alma mater, but also so quickly, you know, year two, you guys are able to get that done. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I got to thank a kid like Deja Simmons who came into our program and uh, to the transfer and um, we worked really hard to get her and we were lucky. Um, but 
you know, and Didi obviously understood everything then and, and our success from the NIT, but it was awesome. I mean, we were 15 and three in the big East. Like that's really hard. Like, you know, we have DePaul, we have, you know, great teams, St. John's and, uh, you know, the, you know, we had some great teams in our league, obviously. And to do that was just so satisfying. And I was so proud of the girls and, and happy for them because they, they stuck it out. And, you know, um, we were ranked top 20 in the co- country. Um, we beat Georgia was undefeated number 14 in the country in our gym by like 20 that year. It was like, you know, it was great. And I just felt like the kids had really bought in and worked hard. And at least the championship showed them, you know what, what their work was. It, it was great. And I was happy for the administration. I mean, Pat Lyons took a chance on me and, and he was great. And, and uh, I was happy for him as much as anything. You mentioned the Big East, obviously, when you were there, uh, that was the old, old Big East when you were in school. Yeah. Uh, and then over the years, there's been quite a bit of shifts, um, you know, back and forth. You know, talk about some of the shifts of the teams coming in and out, because you've probably seen as much of anybody because you've been there coaching. You were there as a student. You know, what's what's the landscape? Because obviously it's been one of the best college basketball conferences, uh, you know, in the country for, you know, for almost decades. But But what's it been like with all the shifts and the different teams, you know, coming in and out? Obviously, losing the power five schools changed a lot in terms of just like, you know, some of the size of the gyms you play, some of the budgets you're going against. But what it has also done is focused a lot now all on basketball because, you know, the power five schools, you know, obviously football was, was, was the driving force. All our 10 schools basically, you know, you know, Georgetown and Villanova have like double A football, but no one has BCS football. So it is a basketball conference. I mean, when we go to our Big East meetings, it's about basketball. When we, you know, do our our media day, it's at Madison Square Garden. I'm like, they don't, the Big East doesn't mince any cost, anything, any publicity. I mean, you know, we have shows, we do a lot. The Big East does a great job with that. Val Ackerman's just a tremendous leader. And we do a really good job of really promoting what the Big East is. It's all about basketball. So that has changed that landscape because it used to be, you know, football and basketball and obviously basketball is big, but now it's all about basketball. And then obviously getting UConn back, you know, we were the sixth rated conference in the country, RPI wise, you know, solidly. And now obviously with UConn, we, we you know, it's the five BCS conferences ahead of us, but we really feel now with UConn, we have a chance to move into that top five and really, you know, generate a lot more, um, you know, publicity and generate a lot more, you know, success in our league. Um, you know, it's, it, it's a, it's a basketball driven league. That's the biggest difference between what it was old and new and old. Yeah. It was basketball, basketball, but as the, at the end of the old, it was really becoming more football. And now it's back to being all basketball. Well, I do love that aspect of the basketball side of things, you know, even at IUPUI, um, you know, not having football. I I always tell the the recruits it's a good thing because you're the focal point, you know, from a basketball standpoint, when it's just, you know, you as the basketball school, you're the focus. So, you know, the Big East has has done that. I also like with the Big East, they've, you know, tried to implement some creative things uh, over the years. One of my favorite was when FS1 did the mic'd up segment uh, with you and the coach from St. John's. What was that experience like? A, were you nervous going into it? Uh, and B, what was the response from, you know, people around the program when they had a chance to see you coach and see your passion on the sidelines up close? You know, we just did it this year too. Third time in four years, I, I've been asked to do it. And I got to tell you, the first year, I wasn't nervous at all until 15 minutes before the game. And I'm like, this is stupid. <laughs> Suppose I say, not, everyone's like, oh, you worry about cursing because I'm a passionate guy and I might say a couple words I shouldn't say. I wasn't worried about that because I think they 
you know, could beep it out. And, you know, it's just the passion. I'm worried about saying something I shouldn't say about someone else. <laughs> so, for example, you know, you're telling your own player, how the heck can you get beat by her? She can't get, you know, yeah. I could go by her. And like, you don't want to insult someone else's kid on national TV. <laughs> and that was my biggest thing. And and I think talking to Joe, Joe said like he really struggled in that game. And I, I was good. I ended up forgetting. And then some funny things came out and it went over great. Like, I'll never forget Fox at the Big East meetings was just like, this is amazing. Um, Jay Wright came up to me, um, you know, um, Bob Driscoll from Providence, the AD, you know, they were like, this was amazing. You know, you're an idiot to do it, but it turned out to be great. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I'm really good uh, close to Lee Reed from Georgetown, the AD there. They were like, but it was good. And I think it really, Joe and I really spurned it to become, um, you know, a men's thing now. So now the men did it. So, you know, and I did it this year and it didn't come across great. Like I, I watched it. And I, I think my passion, we were losing early. And I think my passion, people were like, geez, this guy's crazy, but it's hard. Like, you know, I had almost forgotten doing it my third year that we were doing it on camera. I was just trying to be, you know, I was just doing myself passionate, yeah. but it's hard. I think we need to tweak it a little bit. I think it's become too, too into it. Like you're like, like let the announcers do the game and then let's just go to us during live parts, but we don't have to be live the entire game. Like it just becomes almost too loud. Like my mom's like, it's just too loud, like, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and stuff. So I think they'll tweak it a little bit. Um, I think I'm going to go on a hiatus for a little bit because it's not easy, but, um, you know, I've done it with Joe twice and Joe, Joe's a friend of mine and a, and a, and a fantastic coach. Um, so, but I think we've both like, all right, we've done it twice now for you guys in the big East, let someone else do it. Well, um, I, I loved it. I, my, my dad, uh, in fact, uh, I remember the, the first time that you guys did it, we'd text back and forth. I was like, you gotta turn this on. This is, you know, this is incredible footage. I mean, it's like, yeah. you know, nobody's the XFL is kind of doing it right now, but nobody yes. really had done it, you know, quite like that. But the part that, you know, I don't think even the fans are thinking about is what you said, right? Like, obviously, um, you know, you have your, your team and what you talk to your team about, but there's also ways you're communicating and, and, you know, you don't have time for a, uh, at a timeout to have a 15 minute soliloquy to say, okay, now, well, you know, Jane on the other team, she's not the best shooter. So we want to back up. Like you're probably, Hey, she can't shoot. Let's make sure we, you know, we're not out there closing out hard. Well that you're right. Uh, you you don't want to offend somebody uh, on the other team. And then the other part about it is it's at times, probably if you're thinking about that, then you're not thinking about the next play, you know, down the road. So the, the whole live thing, I could see it being, uh, at times a little bit challenging. Very. I, I just, I, I gotta tell you, it's great. And I'm glad I did it, but it's a challenge. Like, you know, and, and you know, your father, you know, hearing those comments from your dad, who's obviously been a great coach. I just, it's just, it, it's great. I think it's great for the game. I think we have to tweak it, but I also think, you know, Sometimes, you know, people don't understand how hard it is. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's great. Blah, blah, blah. It's hard. Mm. Like the motivation, the officiating, the calling the plays, the, the just anything. Like it's just, it's a lot. I mean, obviously, you know, being such a great coach yourself, but it's tough. It's, it's different. Well, you mentioned Brian uh, from Marist and, and Phil, uh, UMBC. Who, who, who are some of the, as you were developing your philosophy, um, you know, over your time at LIU Brooklyn and then at Iona and then at out Seton Hall, who are some of the people that, that influenced you or influenced kind of the way that you uh, strategize and, and plan things? Well, you know, my high school coach um, 
well, it wasn't Mark Hasten, but John Delecky was the assistant, and he he, he made he, he taught me organization and being uh, you know you know organized and everything I do, and I still follow that to this day. I mean, he's a great man, and he's uh, retired now. But he was a great baseball coach, and 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 uh, he was he became a great he was a great basketball coach as well, and uh, became a great friend of mine. And I'd never be here without him. And then, you know, um, I followed Patino a lot when he was younger, like BU, Providence. Like, I know all that stuff. I, I, re- I read and I watched all those games and, you know, and then, you know, so how early on him. But, you know, through the years, just I read a lot. I watch a lot. But Phil Stern's been a big influence in my life. He, he really has. He's a tremendous. This X is the most man. I think he's the smartest X and O guy that I, I've ever I've ever met. He's great. Um, he's done a great job, and um, you know, I, I you know Brian George is a really close friend of mine, and you know he beat me twenty something straight times before we beat him when we got seen all. But you know you learn from people like that. So he was always great to me, and and always been really really good good to me, and, and a really good person. And he's always been very kind. And Gino's been great. Uh, like I didn't, I was a Division two coach, and I sat next to Gino, and I'm like I was so scared, and he treated me like. You know, I was the head coach of Seton Hall. He's been always a good man and always really honest with me and, and, and always helpful. Um, he's been really good. And, and I will tell you, my my, um, my staff is great. They, they influence me a lot. Like, like, like Lauren's been great. Like, she's a really hard recruiter and she's a really, like, you know, disciplined person. And I'm not super disciplined. And she challenges me all the time. And, like, we, we fight and stuff. But she challenges me and she tries to get the best out of everyone. And then Marissa's been great. She's on the other end of the spectrum. She's just fun and easygoing and, uh, and uh, you know, just caring um, in terms of just, you know, me. And being there for me and, um, you know, with the players. So those two. And now I have a really good staff. I mean, Jose Rabinbos, who played on the Final Four team, is just an, an amazing coach. He was a head coach on the men's side for 20 years. So he teaches me a lot every day. And I got a guy like Pete Zanella, who's a head coach at AIC and went to the national championship game, then FDU. And those guys, like, they're not afraid to give me their opinion. And I want that. And they challenge me. So, you know, I'm growing more now and probably in the last five years than I've ever grown. But those people have been great to me and, 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 you know, and, and even, you know, I know I, I didn't mention any females, but there's a lot of female coaches through the years that I've really watched and, 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 and studied, obviously starting with Pat Summit, but just, you know, just a lot of smart, you know, woman coaches, the way they handle their, their, their teams and, and, and the way they are. And, you know, it's just, you know, like. You know, I, I just I just learn a lot from them. I, I think we have some really, really good coaches. Carolyn Keeger from Penn State is someone I talk to a lot more now and, and someone I really respect. Um, she's a younger coach, but she's smart and she's tough and she's rebuilt the program. So, you know, she's done a great job, too. Well, you've got a lot of former players, as you mentioned, that have gone on that are not just on your staff, but other places. Um, you know, that to me, that's a huge advantage to have somebody that's played for you. And, and I love the fact that, you know, you are open to dialogue with both your players and your coaches uh, of, of, you know, hearing their opinions and, and challenging you in those ways. What are some things that you look for in assistant coach? And then, you know, w- what advice do you give uh, to to younger or, you know, players that have graduated, players that want to go on and, and become coaches uh, in our our profession and, and the best way that they can position themselves to, to grow. I want, I, I want these assistants to have an opinion. I, I like it's hard sometimes. Like sometimes I want to shut up, but I want their opinion. And, you know, my former point guards, Lauren and, and Marissa and, and, and 
Didi. They got a lot of opinion. And I want Jose and Pete's opinion. They've won as many games as I've had. So what I want in an assistant is an opinion. I do. I, I don't want you just sitting there. Like, you know, I don't need anyone just to sit there. Just give, give me your opinion. Didi, give me your opinion. You used to play for me four years ago. Lauren, give me your opinion. You used to play for me 10 years ago. Same with Marissa. Jose, you, you, you've coached a national championship game at junior, you know, at, 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 at William and Pass. And Pete, you've coached a national championship game at ASC. You guys know what you're doing. Like, I, I don't need to be stroked. I don't need to be told good job. Like, you need to be told, we want to win. Let's mm-hmm. figure it out. And, uh, you know, that's what I want. And for the younger people, you just got to work. Like, DD, I have two grad assistants, DD Simmons and Denasia Grant. They work super hard. Mm-hmm. They had part time jobs and they had our job and they did. And I think DD Simmons is going to be one of the next great coaches. And Denasia Grant's going to be a great coach, whoever goes and hires them. But, you know, I want these young people to understand this is a hard job. Like you guys got to understand, it's not like when you played, it's not like that. And one of the things I try to teach these young people is, you know, we got to do a lot for these kids. And a lot of times, you know, they'll, you know, younger coaches be like, well, I'm not doing that for her. If she doesn't do it, then forget it. Well, if she doesn't do it and we don't have her on the team and we lose, then what? Yep. Like it's hard to get good players. Yep. There's not a lot of a lot of them out there. It's really hard. So we got to make sure we take care of them. We handle them. We get the most out of them. We do everything that we can for them academically, support men, you know, m- you know, mentally, all that stuff. And it's a lot more work than you know, two hours of practice and throwing the balls up. Well, I think these younger coaches forget that. I really do. Well, you hit it on. I mean, the, the, the behind the scenes thing that people don't see uh, the and, and the and the grind it takes to work your way up in those situations. I mean, heck, I remember, uh, you know, making milkshakes at 630 in the morning was part of my job, even as the director of basketball doing laundry, uh, you know, following, uh, you know, making sure certain kids got to class. I mean, all those behind the scenes things. Uh, from a work ethic standpoint, the other thing, and I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this, you know, social media, uh, has, you know, changed things quite a bit. And, uh, you know, I think one of my pet peeves right now with, with the coaching profession is, you know, you can use social media to shine a light on your program, no doubt. And those are major positive, but there are these coaches that spend all their time, you know, tweeting and, and social media and all that. And, and, I think there's a misconception out there. That's not what it's about. That's what's not going to, that's not sustainable. That's not what's going to keep you a job. That's not what it's going to, exactly. you know, make you, you know, hireable. And, uh, you know, I'm curious your thoughts. Cause it's, I see it all the time that, uh, you know, you'll see coaches with, uh, maybe that they've struggled for several years and they're, you know, they're tweeting every day and dancing every day. It's like, well, what does that have to do with winning? And I'm, I'm curious what you think. It's so annoying. Stop. Please stop. Like, it's not fun in games. We're, we're doing such a disservice to these kids. It's not the real world. Like, mm-hmm. stop. Like, you know, if we lose, we should be upset. Mm-hmm. Like, if we have a bad day in practice, it's okay, but let's not carry it over the next day and the next day and the next day. Like, it's not okay to, like, you know, you're supposed to win. Like, it's not win at all costs, but you got to win. you got to be successful. You, you know, you still got to show up on time the next day at work. You can't be like, well, you know, I, I don't want to do this. And it's not like um, everyone's like, oh, it's okay that you lost. It's, it's okay, but to a point, you know, if we're, we're in a, 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 a unique spot in our world, like, we need respirators made. You can't be like, well, I, you know what, I just can't make the respirator today. No, you got to make it. We need them. You got to get to work. You got to go to work and because you got to supply the food for people. You got to make food. You got to go to the grocery store. You got to open up this grocery store. Keep like, well, you know, I'm tired today. So, you know, no, no, no. This is the real world. Like we're trying to teach them that. Like the, 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 
you know, like I said, I got a bunch of former players on staff. They would cry after we lost, basically. They'd be so mad. Now it's like, do you really care? And then we're doing nothing to to help the real world because we're these coaches are going on Twitter being like, we're still having fun. We're so smiles. Stop. You're teaching them the wrong thing. Yeah. Like, no one should be smiling right now. We have an epidemic going on, a pandemic. Yeah. Let's, we've got to fix it. We can. We have smart, talented people. But, you know, if you, one day these people are going to be in those spots for the next crisis. And I don't want them saying, well, you know, I'm just tired. To, you know, yeah. coach said it was always going to be okay. Yeah. It was going to be okay if you do what you did. And like, I'm really passionate about it. I'm, I, you know, it's probably not helping me saying that in the recruiting process, but we teach our kids this is the real world. Yeah. Well, the real world. And, and that's what, you know, what you're trying to prepare them for. And, you know, from a basketball perspective, I think of, you know, like I look at other coaches around the country, like, okay, I, I want to, you know, model, you know, you mentioned obviously Gino, everybody knows Gino. Gino's not on social media 24 hours a day, you know, doing like that. That's, that's not the deal. That's not what's going to, you know, help win games. And, and, you know, I think obviously for younger coaches, like, you know, I think about myself, like, you know, I didn't, uh, it wasn't what, what helped me grow or helped me improve watching the oh. game, you know, learning from other coaches, calling other coaches, studying, you know, different people, I, I think is, is really important. Let me ask you this. I, I wanted to ask for you. Uh, you've been a tremendous recruiter. You've always had a lot of talent. You've got a young lady uh, that I've looked on uh, draft boards, potentially, you know, late first round, maybe even second round, you know, player, um, you know, for you, what, besides the talent, talent's obvious, but what are the things that you're looking for, uh, in the recruiting process. You know, we really, you know, we, we used to, you know, we, you know, with, um, you know, my staff starting with Nick and, and, and now Jose, um, who helped me with the offense, you know, we play at a really high pace right now. So the first thing we're looking at now is we used to recruit the best players and then just, you know, form a system around it. And now it's just so hard to even get good, really good players. Cause there's just, it's not as many. And, you know, now with Twitter and, and the transfer rules, you know, all the big, all the BCS schools are just keep taking players. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we have a system. So one, you got to try, like, like I've stopped with, if you're not trying, I, I'm not taking you. I'm not, I'm not going to be like, well, I can get her to try. Like I'm stopped. I stopped that. Maybe it's, I'm stupid, but I just can't do it anymore. Like if you don't try, if you're not trying an AU, you're not trying to practice. If you're sitting at AU games, cause it's the second, second day you've played two games in a row, then then I'm not taking you mm-hmm. because it's just, it's just not worth it. It was like, well, you know, there's not a lot of good Listen, you got to want to try. You got to want to play. It's amazing. You know, you're in this recruiting process. How many kids are sitting out on back to backs? I'm like, what? Like, Load management. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, so you got to try hard. Um, you have to be able to have some offensive skill. Like I'm big on offensive skill. You know, some coaches, like we look for their defense. We look, we look for their offensive skill. You know, Doug Bruno's taught me a lot. I've been in the league with arguably one of the best coaches ever. And, um, and I have so much respect for him. He recruits a certain system and he recruits, you have to score the ball. Like we can teach defense and defense is important. I'm not telling you it's not, but if you can't score the ball, you can't win. Like we have to score. So we look for kids that make shots. Like one of the things that we do is our, our you know, a lot of our recruits that come in, they, they make shots. And, um, you know, we want kids that, that play on winning teams. I think that's really our third thing. That's really important. And the mistakes, I look back at the mistakes I've made and it's all for the same reason, not a, not a winning team, and doesn't try hard consistently. You know, we, we lose a kid here and there that maybe just isn't the right fit or, you know, just, you know, got stuck behind someone. That happens. But for the most part, 
all the kids that leave our program or aren't successful in our program, um, you know, just just don't try hard all the time. You know, they just don't. And, and that's, you know, that's my fault. You know, I, I let it slide in recruiting. And we've said more than ever now, even looking at all these transfers, if they don't try, they are not coming to Seton Hall. Yeah. I don't care. Uh, and, and you got to be able to score the ball. You're like, you can't, I'm a big percentage guy. If you shot 30% in high school, you're going to shoot 30% in, the, in college. If you shot 40% at the last school you're at, you'll probably shoot about 40% here. Yeah, I'm not making the 32% transfer from XYZ shoot any better. Just not. <laughs> They're going to miss, you know, and, and that's a big thing with us. And, uh, and, 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 you know, we, we want, obviously we all look at the same thing, body language and all that stuff, but I, I want them to try hard. Well, that, they got to try hard. It's funny you say that. I actually was talking to a kid the other day. They asked, you know, coach, do you let your, your post players shoot threes? And we do. Uh, but I told her, I said, listen, I'm not Bill Nye, the science guy. Like, we're not just going to get out in the middle of the game and experiment. Like, you know, if you don't work on it in practice, you know, you're not going to, you're not just going to get out there and let it fly during the game. And, exactly. uh, you know, but, but one thing you mentioned and, and I, I've made this you know mistake a few times is I think sometimes as coaches, because, you know, we, we, we want to help, we want to, you know, help grow these kids and help them reach their potential, uh, overlooking some of the things like you talked about trying hard, playing hard. You know, you ever had those moments where like you look back and you're like, in my gut, I, I thought I could, you know, help improve this kid's motor. And then, and then those are the situations that don't work out. And I, I know I've looked back over the years and my staff had that same conversation of, we want kids that want to be in the gym that want to, you yeah. know, when practice is over with, they want to go get extra shots up. And, you know, if you get those kind of kids, uh, you know, talent, you know, obviously you need the talent, but like they're more likely to reach their potential if they're going to put the time in. I couldn't agree with you more. And I made that mistake. And, 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 you know, you all, we all think, well, you know, she's so talented. We can get more of her. We're so talented. No, not. And nowadays you can't, because let's be honest, how we coached even five years ago or 10 years ago, we can't coach that way now. Mm-hmm. We can't like society doesn't allow you to, you know, you know, it's just a shame, you know, it, it, you know, like, like, you know, it's just a shame. Just listen, I love my kids and I care for my kids. You know, some, some of the kids will listen to this back. I don't know, but I do. And I care for every one of them, but you got to do your part and I'm not going to let you slide because in the real world, like today, if I let, if some, the people that aren't going to work right now and aren't helping us fix this, it's just not helping. You know, the, the people that are still out partying on in Florida, on the beaches, they're the ones who you could never coach. Yeah. And like that, that's the problem. And they're going to hurt society. And, you know, I'm not trying to be so philosophical, but you got to try. Like, that's my biggest thing. And I've made that mistake and I made it, you know, recently, you know, I I just, I've made it in the past couple of years. I've said to myself, do not do it. Do not do it. I'm not doing it. I'm just not, I, I, you know, my recruiting coordinator is great. She's a tough girl and tough and, and Marissa's tough. You know, they have high standards and I'll still fight with them. I'm back. Nope, nope, nope. And, um, yeah, they know now I'm not doing it anymore. It's just not worth it. No, that's, that's, I mean, that's good to hear and good advice because I think a lot of coaches could, you know, over, overlook that aspect of the try hard and uh, thinking that they can, you know, sprinkle magic fairy dust and they'll all of a sudden, you know, play hard and that's not quite how it works. I mean, I want them to love basketball. The last thing I want them to love, like you say, you want kids in the gym. Like so much of this social media, like a kid, you know, a kid asked me the other day, well, what do you guys do for fun? Like, what do you mean? What do we do for fun? We're playing basketball. Like, that's why you're here. Like, what are you doing for fun is not really the answer, the question I wanted. 
Yeah. Like, I, I love kids that, you know, one, one of my favorite kids that I tell people about, uh, is, is a young lady by the name of Nevin Barkovic. She's my uh, first kid that, um, played professionally overseas. She's still overseas, but I laugh when I was dating my wife, I used to get these 1130, uh, midnight text messages. And my wife, you know, if we were, uh, she was, we were dating at the time and we were watching a movie on the couch and she like, well, Hey, what, what, what's going on? What's this? Well, it was one of my players. She loved Dirk Nowitzki and Dirk always played on the West Coast. And so I would get these texts about the game. And I love that. I love the fact that it was, you know, these kids that watch basketball and point guard this year, you know, watch basketball, talk basketball because they study the game. It's you can't substitute that. We have a kid, Maya Jackson, on our team right now. Mm-hmm. She's watching basketball all the time. Mm-hmm. That's why she's good. Like, like, that's why they're good because they understand it. That's a question we actually ask right now mm-hmm. in the recruiting process. Um, who, 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 what team, what NBA team you like to watch? What mm-hmm. WNBA team yep. you like to watch? And if they tell me, well, I don't watch it, then we really, we really struggle to take them because then you don't have watch any basketball. It's a big problem. And, 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 and I learned that lesson the hard way because you can't be, you know, you can't not watch basketball and do that. It'd be like us. Well, what, do you, have you watched a game? Now nah, I never watched basketball on TV. You'd be like, well, you're crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you lived. So one thing I wanted to ask you just for fun is you've been in the New Jersey, New York area for quite some time. I mean, what are your favorite things uh, that you guys like to do you know, individually or as a family? My wife and I love to just try different restaurants and go out to eat. Like she's great with that. She always finds different things and she's really good at that. Um, you know, I, um, we love to play golf. I, I think that's a big thing for me. Um, I do, I grew up, my dad taught me it and, uh, it's a big thing for me, um, and, and stuff. And then we have a really, you know, great family. My kids are really into sports. We we're huge Met fans. We love going to the Met games. We, we, we really watch, you know, if we're home, we watch baseball. Like, like it's crazy. You're like, Oh, too boring and do that. But like for us, we're really into it. And one of the things we try and do each year now is go to a different stadium and watch the Mets. We went to Pittsburgh last year. Um, we've gone to a lot of different places. So that's been like a, a tradition we're starting in our family now too. So that's a great thing. And, um, you know, my two kids are, are great. They, they love sports. They're really into it. Um, they're really knowledgeable. Um, they understand my job. And then, you know, my wife has done a, a, an amazing job raising the family. I mean, she's really the rock of the, the family and she understands sports really well too, which helps a lot. But, um, but you know, I, I, I do, I, I do like trying different restaurants with my wife. I, I do because it's just, it's just something different and, and fun. And, um, I really, you know, in, enjoy, enjoy the, um, the kids that they, that they love sports. I think that's important in our family. Last thing I want to do is kind of a quick hitter speed round sure. here where I'm going to ask you, just give me one or two word answer and, uh, and, and we'll rip right through this. But, uh, first thing, two favorite coaches to watch in any sport. Yeah, that's great. I'm a big football guy. I loved watching. Um, I'm going to go old. Uh, you know, I, I was a big Parcells guy and, um, you know, I loved watching him and, and that was a, he, he, he was a really great and I still, you know, I, I love, I, I love watching, um, Patino. I, I'm just still, uh, you know, I, I just, I loved his energy and his passion and, you know, I, I'm interested to see how he does it at my old place, Iona. So those are two guys, big Parcells guy. I read a lot about him and um, I could never, we could never coach the way he coaches now, but, but I, uh, I really love the way he uh, motivated. Okay. One player to take the last shot in the game from any of the teams over your 28 year career. That's a really good question. My gosh, I get yelled at by my former players, but you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say Dee Dee Simmons. I, I'm going to trust her. I, 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 I always have and always will. 
one thing on game day that you's part of your routine that you have to do no matter what? Um, well, I have to go to the bathroom before I start the game, but, um, <laughs> but, but, but I always say, I, I always spend a minute in silent prayer. Okay. Favorite family food spot. Ooh, that's a good one. Well, you know what? We, 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 we belong to a country club called Montclair country club and we love going up there for Saturday night dinner at seven o'clock. That's a big thing with our family. We like doing that. All right. Road trips. We're always, uh, have to have rental cars. What's the best car that you've been given by a rental company on one of your recruiting trips? That's really good. You know, I, I got that Cadillac Escalade once. It was that they, um, they, uh, they didn't have the car we had. And they're like, we only have this. I'm like, well, I can't pay for this. My school you never let me do it. And they gave it to me. It was awesome. Like, uh-huh. I was like, I came home and I told my wife, I was really at the Escalade. She's like, yeah, right. Uh, but it was awesome. I, I, I loved it. It was a great, great car to drive. That's awesome. Last show you watched on Netflix. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I'm not a big Netflix not, guy. Okay. Not, not, last, show, last show you watched that you enjoyed then. No, we, you know, we watch so much sports, but we watch like, like I like that show Blue Buds. My son okay. hates it. He makes fun of me, but I like that, how he's in charge and, and like the different things, how he has to handle different people and different things. So I try and learn from that. But we, you know, we watch a lot of different sporting events. I'm looking forward to that Michael Jordan 10 part episode. Oh, yeah. Seriously. Like, they should put it out now. Like I'm ready for it right now. Absolutely. Like Absolutely. You know? and, and my son said he's got some Netflix shows he wants me to watch. So, uh, and I asked, been asking our recruits for some. So I'm trying to make a little list. So I'll do that well, too. We're going to have a lot of time on our hands. So you might be able to get to that. So, all right. When you're, uh, when you're out, um, on the road recruiting, uh, and, and you're in the car, uh, either name a podcast or a music group that you, you immediately want to listen to. I always listen to, um, the Bill Simmons podcast. I'm a big Bill Simmons guy. He, my son introduced me to him. He's tremendous. And, um, I, I love him and I love the Woj podcast. Um, and, 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 um, Rachel Nichols, those are the three I listen to jump podcast. All right. I got one for you. You need to try, uh, uh yep. Sebastian Maniscalco, uh, the comedian, uh, yes. Italian. You told me about yeah, him. Yeah. I'm telling I actually, you. I'm going to do that. I actually, I'll put that in my notes. They, yeah. Out. They do Italian take. They got some funny things, but I think you'd really enjoy that. So I last, will. I last, need that. last thing for you, if you weren't coaching, what would you do? Um, investment bank. Okay. I, I, I love, I, I love that. Um, I came very close to doing that. I came very close to going to politics as well too. Um, I, I fought politics way back then really well. I'm glad I didn't do that. Just, <laughs> it'd just be really hard. Um, but, but I, I, I do, I, I, I do, um, I, um, like investment banking a lot and, um, it's, it's definitely something I would have, I would have wanted to try and, and stuff like that. Well, I want to tell the listeners before we go, uh, how much, you know, I appreciate you. Um, you know, you mentioned, uh, being on the road and, and, you know, Gino talking to you when you're a division two coach, you know, I, I kind of felt the same way, uh, always friendly to me came, you know, made me feel welcome right away. And, you know, I went from coaching, uh, on the men's side to the women's side. So early on, it was tough for, you know, me to kind of connect with people and you've always been great and, uh, always watch your program when, whenever I have a chance on FS1 and, uh, always be rooting for you. So, uh, appreciate it. And, you know, thank you so much for joining our pod same to you and you know how much respect i have and congratulations on a tremendous season and you know the culmination of all the hard work you've done you've had some other great teams that just you know, honestly just you know got a bad break just couldn't win that game and you know and stuff but this team found a way and uh i was so happy for you and your program and your staff because it's hard and um i i, I know while you get, didn't get a chance to play in the tournament i know you'll be back in the tournament for sure well, I appreciate it. Enjoy the conversation. Had a, had a lot of fun talking with you. 
Same. Thanks. Thank you again for having me. Yep. Bye. Once again, a special thanks to Tony Bazella for joining us on the pod this week as we get this thing kicked off again. Great conversation. Passionate guy. I recommend following his program. Uh, easy guy to root for. And it was great to have him on the podcast. As you're at your homes, isolated, quarantined, wherever you're at, enjoy your families. Take some time out. Read a book. And everybody stay safe. Have a great week. Have a great week.